he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How then does it have weeds? But he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Lockdown. I don't know about you, but time feels a bit blurry at times. I've spoken to quite a few people who've expressed the same difficulty of knowing exactly the day of the week it is. What day of the week is it exactly? Does it even matter? And, and the date? Well, just forget about that. Hannah and I were discussing this kind of uh, fatigue, this feeling. And we said that if we can locate ourselves at the, at the start, the middle or the end of, of the right month, uh, then we're doing quite well. Uh, and and, and that's, that, that's surely good enough. You might be able to relate to that kind of feeling. For the most part, this confusion isn't really a problem, is it? Because the same thing happens on, the, on every day or nothing happens on every day. But it actually is temporary. That feeling of confusion about the time we're in is temporary. And we won't be able to live like it forever. The fog has at some point has got to clear. And we need to see rightly the time we're in. We come to this part of Matthew... Uh, where Jesus is speaking about the nature of his kingdom. And we might be thinking, do I really need this? Why should I listen? Well, I don't know how much you'd usually spend time thinking about uh, this, uh, but we've all got theories on the world's end, the end of all things. Uh, maybe it's a cataclysmic event uh, that might bring the world to an end. Uh, but the consensus is that even if we could know that for sure, Life would just go on now as it always has done. So life to us, our feeling of the time we're in, is a perpetual lockdown feeling. When we're in it, it feels unending. 
But the time warp surely has to come to an end sometime. And there is a future awaiting us, whether we realise it or not. See, Jesus is saying that our sight of the times we're in is blurry at best, but actually he'd go further to say that on these matters, we're actually blind. We don't see what he sees. We just can't see what is heading down the track. And so Jesus' parables are about living now, but here's the thing, they're always in light of the future. There's, a, there's clearly an end date. What Jesus refers to in verse 36 as the close of the age. And unlike you and me, Jesus not only knows about it this day, he sees its relevance to the day we're in now. And he speaks that to us in this parable. And he says that on that day, significant and irreversible things will take place. He's going to tell them what they are. And far from being arbitrary, these things will bring everything else in our lives into focus. It will affect what we invest our money and our time in now. And if we're Christians, it will affect what kind of hardship we're willing to endure. So we're in chapter 13. It's a chapter full of parables of the kingdom. It's the nature of the gospel, what it's going to look like. We saw last week there's a mixed response every time God's word goes out, but there is massive growth that will come. So let's have a look uh, as at uh, this parable, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Uh, as was the case in the first parable, though the, this parable is spoken to the crowd in those first few verses, the explanation that we read in verse 36 or 30 on, onwards is given to the disciples, isn't it? They come to Jesus and their request is explained to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And so what we're going to see in this in this first bit is that the point Jesus wants them to understand and to us to understand is we should expect opposition in God's kingdom now. We should expect opposition in God's kingdom now. Uh, let's read that. Matthew 13. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 36, Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Jesus answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Expect opposition in God's kingdom now. The picture is of a field where wheat has been planted, sown. 
The message is clear from the start. This is God's world. He is the owner of the field. The son of man, Jesus, Jesus' name for himself, well, he's the one who has the say on what goes on in the field. He sows the seed in verse 37. The servants have to ask him what action they should take. And in verse 41, he gives the order on what they should do, what is to be done. And who has the right to be there? Jesus has been describing a significant kingdom crop in the last parable. And yet he's here, he says, that alongside that growth will always be those that Satan has put there. Alongside that growth, there will always be those that Satan has put there. He is the enemy who has come along and sown weeds in with the crop. In the very place where gospel growth starts to happen, evil is right alongside it, trying to stop the word going out. If you think in the last parable, it was Satan himself who was snatching away the seed that didn't want it to be acted upon. And so it's only natural that those who do his work, uh, what Jesus calls the sons of the evil one, that they too would do would be on the same kind of uh, mission to shut down God's word, to silence it and silence those who are bringing it as well. Jesus says that the, the weeds are in such close proximity to the wheat. We see that, don't we? They're side by side. So much so that if in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. It seems like in, in some cases, they're so hard to distinguish that to try to remove one would jeopardise the other. And Jesus will, will not jeopardise his crop. Um, and he allows them to remain, but that's not out of negligence, is it? No, it's not negligence, like my, my approach to gardening, um, but it's protection of the wheat so that they would uh, come to full growth and be ready for harvest. Well, if you remember John's question, uh, John the Baptist, earlier in this um, uh, chapter, uh, earlier in, in this book, um, it was the ongoing presence of evil, wasn't it, that caused him to ask if God's kingdom had really come at all, if it had really arrived. John asked, are you the one who is to come or should we go looking again? He spoke of one with a winnowing fork coming to harvest and separate to do the separation of the wheat and the weeds. It all seems pretty final. And in chapter eight, Jesus was speaking of religious opposition, wasn't he? When he said uh, that the sons of the kingdom, he's referring to them, will be thrown out into outer darkness to a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we have heard these kind of pictures before. The picture of the harvest and, and the language of weeping and gnashing of teeth. We've heard it before. Came from the mouth of John, came from the mouth of Jesus. And in, in those cases, it referred to those who were opposing the gospel, didn't it? So the warning comes to the crowd. The parable was spoken to everyone. The warning of God's judgment for anyone outside of God's kingdom. That's clearly something we all need to take seriously. It is to all people that this urgent message comes. And yet it's Jesus' disciples who hear the explanation. 
And so it would seem that there's something that Jesus wants specifically for them to know in this. And it's to expect opposition in God's kingdom now. Um, this made me think of what happened in chapter 12. Uh, the crowd were beginning to ask, can this be the son of David? They'd seen what he'd done and they, they, they started to ask that question. But the Pharisees, however, are trying to block it, aren't they? And they say, well, Jesus is just evil and he's using evil. So actually, they're the ones who are blinding other people or, or who are um, trying to block them from hearing the word. And if you look at uh, what Jesus describes, um, the people uh, that will be the son of man will send his angels in verse 41 and they will gather out his kingdom all causes of sin. It's those who caused others to sin who literally are a stumbling block to other people. So I think there's something specific that Jesus is wanting to say about opposition to the gospel. Generally, sure, it's important that everyone hears about the warning of, of the future. But specifically, Jesus wants his followers to expect opposition to his kingdom. And we should too. Um, it would seem that Jesus is promising this temporary opposition and yet he wants them to know, to know where it ends up. That's where the parable goes, isn't it? That's the explanation he gives. It goes a lot further. It says uh, from verse 40, just as the weeds are gathered up and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. There is a day. And we're going to be thinking about what the day is. Um, the son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Opposition will be a feature now and yet it will come to an end. Opposition will be a feature now of every Christian and yet it will come to an end. They should expect opposition and yet they should also be absolutely sure where it's headed. That's our second point. Our first point was expect opposition in God's kingdom now. Our second point is Jesus will gather and expel from his kingdom. So where is it headed? Jesus refers to, doesn't he, the close of the age. At the close of the age, so it will be. So we're told, we were told, weren't we, that the, they were going to wait. The wheat was going to come to its full growth. And at the point where it's ready for harvest, now that's the point at which this separation will take place. And it is the best way to describe this coming day as a day of separation. It's a separation that will be decisive and it will be full and it will be final. And that's really the best way to describe it. In verses 41 and 42, if you look down at that, it says that the weeds, which are those that have caused sin and themselves broken God's law, they'll be gathered first. They are sent to a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
outside of God's kingdom. And that would be a dreadful thing to face. Uh, it says that the wheat, which represent the forgiven children of God, are gathered together into the barn. They are called the righteous who are told who we're told will dwell in the kingdom of their father uh, in verse 43. They've been brought into a relationship with the father through the cross, through Jesus who laid down his life for them. They have been, their sin has been paid for, so they stand righteous on that day. They are not counted as those who have broken God's law. They are given his righteousness and they stand before him um, as their father, as his, him as their father. So previously, it may have been, uh, prior to this day, it might have been that you couldn't have got a sheet of paper between the two because they're so close together. But no longer. Jesus says that a huge distance will be established and never be removed. So it may have looked, and it will have looked, like nothing could come between these two. Previously, you may not have been able to draw them out of a, a line-up. Who are the Christians? Who are the, not the Christians? Well, you know, they look pretty similar. But no longer. The day of separation, the harvest, has blown the cover um, and actually there's nowhere to hide anymore. And Jesus has, is the son of man. He has authority to do the, the separating of the two. And if you look at verse 43, there is something interesting about this. But, um, that It seems like the appearance is quite important. So it says that the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. I think it's, it's drawing attention to the fact that from that day forward, there will there's just no comparison. Well, there will be no comparison between the two. Those who are in the kingdom of their father and those who are uh, sent away, and there will be no comparison because the righteous will be just shining like the sun. So they look glorious. They're, they're you know, they're their appearance is attractive um, and it'll be completely different so even though even if before they've been marred and um, you know they look unglamorous and glorious and they're they're downtrodden this separation will show and will result in them being um, shining like the sun in the, in the kingdom that God is bringing so we've seen that Jesus will gather and will expel from his kingdom. It's clear, isn't it? That's what he says. He, he is the son of man. And although he, we're going to see that he lays down his life to bring people into God's kingdom. Uh, he is going to be the one who returns. And there will be a clear separation. Be a distance, a visible distance and a visible appearance between the two. Um, as some fall under God's judgment and others are welcomed into his kingdom. Well, what does this mean for us? I think, just thinking this week, that 
how little do I see things this way? How, how, how little of my life is actually determined by this kind of vision of the future? And yet Jesus is speaking to us here so that he, the mist might be burned up. Uh, our, our fogginess, our vision would be clear on these things. We see where we're headed and we see where others are headed too. It's, it's decided, it's going to happen. And hopefully uh, we can now see the future that awaits us all. Jesus here is lovingly telling us the truth. Uh, because without it we'd be blind. So perhaps you're hearing this and you're thinking, well, I'm just not ready for that day. It's a good thing to, to realise. And it's good to go by what Jesus says is going to happen. Because if you look to what you thought would happen or what you saw, you might say that life will just go on as it always has done. There doesn't seem a massive difference between those who put their trust in Jesus and those who don't want anything to do with him. In fact, actually following Jesus looks like you'd face more rejection and be worse off in this life. All that is definitely true. We're not, Jesus is not denying that. But it might also be true that the way we're seeing things is with eyes that just aren't working. We're not seeing what he sees. Our vision is that we cannot see the day that is coming. Wouldn't it be better for him to, to have him tell us about that day and to get us ready for it? Keep listening to Jesus. Keep finding out from him what it is that will matter on that day and, uh, and ask him to reveal it to you. Well, maybe if you're uh, used to going to church, uh, no one's ever really suggested that um, that being a Christian, it, that you will face opposition if you are truly a Christian. We were told in the last parable, weren't we, that when tribulation and persecution came and it arose on account of the word, it will reveal that some who thought they believed didn't actually believe. And so it's crucial that we hear Jesus's promise of opposition loud and clear it is those who see that there is opposition ahead and yet um, see that Jesus is, is, is much more important and valuable to them for the future if we're going to follow Jesus evil is going to feel all the more present in your life pressing in on you <laughs> not only in your own heart the evil that you realize about yourself your sin but lots of people will tell you that you're taking things too seriously. And actually some will, some will say it's downright nasty to say that Jesus alone can save. And that there is this day. But we must tell people. And that's what we see as Christians uh, in this passage. This day will actually change how we see opposition. Because I don't know about you, I'm tempted to just think, you know, this this can't be right. This doesn't feel right. Or to try and avoid it altogether. Um, the, the bit of the wheat that wants to go over to a patch of the, the field where there's no weeds. And just have this nice kind of um, time together. Jesus says that's not an option. There will be evil rising up in opposition to God's word and to God's people. 
And the ongoing presence of it isn't God's negligence. It's in fact his careful preparation for his people. It's so that they would grow to fullness for the day when he will return. And so that none will be lost. So in place of fear, which is what I usually feel of sharing the gospel, in the midst of enemies, or maybe even envy towards those who seem to have an easier time because they don't have Jesus. There'll be a driving desire instead to do something to ensure that others don't face this this uh, judgment. Now there should be a growing desire for that to happen um, as we hear these words. Um, so I'm going to pray and then I'll give you just a moment to, to pray by yourself and then we'll take some questions. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, this is your world and you get to decide uh, what happens in it. And you have revealed yourself to be the one who is in charge. And yet we don't want you to be in charge. We would prefer to be those who would uh, rule our lives and determine our fates. So please, would you change us and humble us today as we hear about your truth? And that we would see that you are the one who will, will return. And on that day, there will be a separation, a separation that you have spoken about uh, because of uh, sin in our lives and our need of rescue from it. We pray that um, we would come to you wanting to know what it is that will uh, matter on that day and not just to get sidetracked and think that we'll never come. Amen. Amen. Oh,